Good evening, memoirs. Can everybody hear me out there? Is this loud enough? Because I know we have a lot of energy over there on that side, which is good. We love high energy. Um, but it is definitely a difference. It's like a yin-yang situation, right? We have a lot of yang over there, and we have yin over here. Um, but I think they're going to be done in about half an hour. Then it's not going to be so loud anymore. But it's time to get memoirs started. So with that, my name is Philip Awesome Aguilera. And yes, my middle name really is awesome. It is uh, an actual thing. And I want to read a little something on why memoirs exists. So I need to see the light here. So why does memoir exist? Hold on. She wants me to put the white light. She reminds me of that all the time. I'll be right back, and then you'll be able to see me better. How's that? All right. So why does memoirs exist? We often treat communication as if it were a race. It's almost like our goal is to have no time gaps between the conclusion of the sentence of the person we are speaking with and the beginning of our own. If you think about it, you'll notice that it takes an enormous amount of energy and is very stressful to be sitting at the edge of your seat trying to guess what the person in front of you is going to say so that you can fire back your response immediately. Now, if we wait for the people we are communicating with to finish and simply listen intently to what is being said, you may notice that the pressure never builds to begin with. So that is one of the reasons that memoirs exist. So by show of hands, how many first-timers do we have here? All right, I know what you first-timers are thinking. You're all thinking, how can I get on this stage and tell my story? Yes? Who's thinking? Yes. So if you are interested in becoming a memoir storyteller, you can email us at memoircos at gmail.com or just tap me or uh, Maritza on the shoulder and we will do whatever we can to get you on this stage as fast as possible. Um, you can follow us on all our socials. We are memoircos on Instagram and we are memoirs true stories unfiltered on Facebook. We also have a podcast. So if you would like to hear past memoirs, just pull out your phone and subscribe. It is Memoirs, True Stories, Unfiltered. And I don't have one here. A sticker. I don't have a sticker. Okay, so you see the back of this? So in the front where you checked in, Samantha. Samantha has these stickers that look like the Memoirs logo. And part of the proceeds of those stickers go to CASA. And CASA is the court-appointed special advocate that advocates for... Um, children that may be going through foster care or going through some, some interesting memoirs, let's say that. And with that, I'm going to ask, remind me your name again. Christy? Crystal, who is a CASA rep, to let us know a little bit more about what CASA is. So thank you, Crystal, for being here. Thank you. Hello. The lights are bright up here. Good evening, everyone. Yes, as Flip mentioned, uh, CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates, and we utilize and recruit community members who want to be trained as advocates um, for children who have open child abuse and neglect cases. I understand that the theme for tonight is emerging from the chaos, yes? Okay. So we are walking alongside children and families who are doing just that every single day. And again, we use community um, members just like yourselves to do that. If any of you are interested in learning more, perhaps about becoming an advocate, I'd be happy to talk with you. I have some brochures 
here if you'd like to learn more. And we are very appreciative of any of the proceeds that come from the stickers as well. So thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. So I also want to add something. So if there are any clothes that you guys don't want, bring them to the next memoirs because they have what's called the hangar. And the hangar is where the kids can go and basically go shopping for clothes because a lot of them leave their situations with just the clothes on their backs. So if there's anything, yes, what was that? Yes, shopping for free, but it's like, you know, a whole shopping, let me go see what's up. I gave some really risque teenage shirts last time. I, I hope somebody picked them up already from the hangar because they're pretty fun. Um, uh, is that Eric back there? Eric, do you want to come up and say something? So let's put our hands together for three E's and Eric for letting us have this fantastic space. Um, I just want to apologize there about to turn that down over there. They get a little outrageous. So um, they're going to turn it down so you guys can get going. So give them about a couple minutes and they're going to turn that down. So you guys got to. I know we're going to try to get them in here to do that too. So, But I want you guys to enjoy what's going on. It's great. So thank you. Thank you. So these little papers right here, these are what are called anonymous memoirs. There should be some on just about every table, and there's pens as well. So what an anonymous memoir is is exactly that. So tonight's theme is emerging from the chaos. If you have a secret, a memoir, something that you may not want everybody to know that connects to that theme, just, you know, throw a few words on these little papers. And back in that corner over there, there's a little basket. And just throw it in there. And throughout the evening, we will pull some of them out and read it. And nobody will know who it was except you, unless you want to tell people that it was you. So those are the anonymous memoirs. We already thank three E's. So thank you, Eric, again. And please make sure you grab a drink, a bite to eat, anything we can do to support Eric and this venue for letting us do this here. So we thank them very much. I would also like to thank Samantha, Maritza, Erica, who are our memoirs team for helping us do all the things in the background, right? So let's give them a hand. And I would like the biggest, biggest applause for you guys, Colorado Springs. Thank you very much. Of course, let's thank our courageous storytellers who will be up here tonight with the theme, Emerging from the Chaos. So today, or tonight's storytellers will be John Wilcox with From Chaos to Clarity. We'll have Lisa Lintger with Victim or Victor, and Kim Randall with Chaos to Purpose. So here is my anecdote for Emerging from the Chaos. Chaos usually means complete disorder and confusion in your state of mind, in a situation or in your relationships. It is a situation where you find yourself a complete mess. But these moments have an underlying instant where the chaos can be used as leverage to emerge from obstacles, challenges, and struggles which life will inevitably throw at us. Amidst all the problems and hectic moments, there can still be clarity and solutions when your mind is focused on emerging from the chaos. So thank you very much. And with that, I think we will have our first storyteller up on stage. And I may have to help him, so it'll take a second. But let's please put our hands together and welcome John Wilcox with From Chaos to Clarity.
my story. Um, Gail's Declarity. Robert Frost, in his famous poem, The Road Less Traveled, talks about a divergence of paths in the woods. And with careful deliberation, he chose one of them. In my experience, that rarely happens, and it certainly didn't happen to me. My path was kind of thrust upon me, <laughs> and what I've discovered is that it's not choosing the path that counts, but what you do while you're on it, how you grow, learn about yourself, and help others. So, my story, I was, I grew up in Indonesia, the son of missionary parents, and faith has always been very important for me. And growing up, I was also very, uh, let's say, obsessed with their planes. So by the time I graduated high school, I knew exactly what my path would be. I was gonna be a missionary pilot and serve people flying around jungles. Boy, was I in for a shock. So, I went to flight school to execute my plan and got my license, but immediately things began to not go my way. I had weather delays. It took me three times as long as all my friends to get my initial pilot certificate and ultimately uh, costs escalated and I had to drop out of that program. So it felt that the time like my dream, my purpose was being ripped from my hands, and I'm like, what the heck? So I said, well, I need to be a, now what do I do? And um, no clear path, other chaos in my mind. And my family and friends and their infinite wisdom told me to go be a teacher. I thought, well, I like kids, I like people, I'll go do that. Well, it turns out being a teacher requires managerial 
and administrative skills, neither of which I possess. So five years later, my world was upended yet again as I ended up quitting that profession. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go into sales. So I did corporate sales for a year, got laid off, and you notice my walker. So in the midst of all this, I made uh, the best choice of my life and the one, um, the really shining star in my life is my wife, Karen, who has encouraged me, kicked me in the butt when I needed it, and pretty much helped me develop on my path. And also during this time, I started developing spinocerebellar ataxia, which is a neurological condition in which the cerebellum atrophies and it is progressive. Um, so living with that, Every day is a moving target, and my wife can tell you the ups and downs. But uh, all this was going on, turmoil, chaos, and I got a good corporate sales job, really enjoyed it, had moderate success, and then they got bought out by another firm. And sure enough, uh, being the newbie, I was laid off. And my world upended yet again. And my, um, my wife can tell you no end of stress for both of us. So... That's when she really encouraged me to pursue entrepreneurship. Um, and I started networking. Many of you in this room do network around town and you've seen how powerful that is. I met the manager for the insurance company I'm with, and he got me on the path to owning my own agency. He coached me, mentored me, ran appointments with me, basically held my hand while I gained the confidence I needed to launch fully as an insurance agent. So, 
Um, the, what do I love about insurance? Well, I love the entrepreneurial aspect. And most of all, it lines up with giftings I've had since I was a kid. And that is three things. I build relationships every single day. I love doing that. I also get to educate the people I work with. I absolutely love that. And the third thing is really what drives me. I get to help people in a meaningful, authentic way, and that really floats my boat. Um, so then I love entrepreneurship. I've had the skills all along. I just didn't realize it until I got a swift kick in the pants by life. Um, and so my path has moved from chaos, turmoil internally and externally to more clear as I moved down the road I didn't choose. Um, and have brought people alongside me to walk it with me. And so, what I'd be curious to know about your path. How have you moved through your life and grown in the path you're on? Thank you. Thank you very much, John. Hold on one second. Let's see if anybody puts some anonymous memoirs back there and we'll read somebody's secret. What do you think? I hope somebody put... Did any of you put anything in there yet? <laughs> we'll find out. We have one. We have one. Are you ready to read somebody's secret? Okay, I'll read somebody's secret. All right. Here we go. Are we ready? I lost it all, stopped believing in myself, but I kept persevering anyway. Somehow, I rebuilt back into a growing business and a new life with a new wife that has supported me wholeheartedly. <laughs> all right, so we're going to take about a 10-minute break. You can go get refills, and then we will be back with Lisa Lyncher. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right. I hope you guys got some good refills, had some good discussions, felt the energy of that amazing story that John told. And with that, it's now time for our second storyteller of the evening. So please put your hands together for Lisa Lynchter, and her story is Victim or Victor. Thank you all very much for having me tonight. Do I have any Star Wars fans here? Anybody? All right, all right, great. So, in The Empire Strikes Back, deep in the swamp, Yoda and Luke are training. And Yoda is teaching Luke how to use the Force for good. Luke finds this eerie feeling coming over him, and it was a very dark feeling. And it draws him to a cave. As they approach the cave, Luke asks Yoda, what is inside this cave? I can feel it. The energy is strong here. Yoda says, only what you bring with you. Luke then goes inside the cave, and to his surprise, he sees Darth Vader. Very quickly, without thinking, Luke pulls out his lightsaber and cuts off Darth Vader's, Darth Vader's head. The helmet rolls to the ground, rolls off the head, and reveals Luke's own face staring back at him. My name is Lisa Lyncher, and I am a Colorado native, which apparently is really unique. A couple of other fun facts about me. I love public speaking, and I don't like bacon. So I'll speak. You guys can eat the bacon. It's not even like a ham thing. I just, I like sausage. I don't know. We all have our preference, right? So I was born here in Colorado Springs. I graduated from Air Academy High School in 2005. Immediately after high school, I went to school for photography. Um, I went to school up in Glenwood Springs and got my degree up there. During that time, I got married. I got married two days after I turned 20 years old. Because, you know, at 20 years old, we know exactly what we want, exactly what we need. We know everything about life, right? So I got married very young. Um, my son, my first son was born about a year and a half later. It didn't take long for me to realize that it was not a, a healthy relationship. And I remember even during my first pregnancy, thinking to myself, I know this is unhealthy. I know I shouldn't be here. But what are people going to think if I leave and I'm 21 and I'm pregnant? Fast forward about two years later, and I'm pregnant again. And I remember having the same thoughts. I know this is unhealthy. I know that I shouldn't be here. But what are people going to think if I'm 23 with a two-year-old and a newborn? The relationship was unhealthy because, number one, he's an alcoholic. Number two, not good with money. A lot of times those things go hand in hand. And being good with money is pretty crucial when you're talking about raising a family. Ultimately, he was also unfaithful multiple times. Even knowing these things and being young, what held me back was I was so concerned of what are people going to think if I leave and I'm young and I have these young kids. So we're still working on building our life, and I ended up getting a really wonderful job as a chiropractor's assistant. I absolutely love the job. I love the company because they're the company that introduced me to personal growth and development. And that has been a crucial part of my life and a crucial piece in emerging from the chaos for me. So during my third pregnancy, all boys, by the way, 
and right now they're 9, 11, 13, so I got my hands full. My heart's very full as well. Um, so during that third pregnancy, I had quickly worked my way up within the chiropractor company. They were expanding across the nation. I had started as a receptionist, and I had worked my way up to the corporate level. One of the jobs that I had was to help new offices get built out. At the same time, um, my ex-husband, and I, I will tell you guys, I don't like saying ex-husband. His name is Eric, or I will say my kid's father. I just have a big thing with positive and negative words, and even ex-husband carries a negative. Our relationship now is he's the husband of my father, and that's er, the husband of my father. Oh, that would be a little weird. Um, he, is, he is the father of my children, and so that's why I like to call him my boy's dad. So at that time, he had started his own construction company. Now, he is very, very smart. He is very good at construction. He's really good at the mid-level management, so project manager, um, superintendent, positions like that he was really good at. Well, he decided to try to go out on, on his own and run his own business. As I had mentioned, not the best with finances, so not the best with, like, P&L and looking at the numbers. and every, He knew how to build a house. Man is a genius when it comes to that, but running a business was another story. Well, my company, they loved me, they adored me, they wanted to support me and my growing family. So they hired Eric to build out one of our offices. And this is towards the end of one of my, my third pregnancies, so I knew that I had maternity leave coming up. Well, everything just went south. My boss was mad at me because my husband wasn't doing his job. My husband was mad at me because I worked for my boss. It got really, really complicated. At that same time, I was approaching the end of my pregnancy and going on maternity leave. Um, Eric had approached me and said that he wanted to move to Michigan. And at first I was like, heck no. Like, we live in Colorado. Why would we want to go there? And this was in about 2013, so not too long after the 2013 or 2008 crash. And unemployment rates in Michigan were at an all-time high at that point. So I really struggled with this. I had a great job. I had my family here. I just had a child. But I also felt that I needed to play the role of an honorable wife. And a wife honors her husband, and she follows him, and she's, she allows him to make the choices for our family. Um, so that was the route that I decided to go. At the end of my pregnancy, actually at my baby shower, I found out that he was having an affair with a girl that I worked with, someone that I had considered a friend, someone that I sat next to every day at work, someone I had over for dinner. Um, I was still in this mindset of what are people going to think. I was ashamed. I didn't want people to know. My family didn't know until five or six later, years after this had happened. So I decided, okay, maybe if, I, if we move to Michigan and I get him away from her, it won't happen again. It had happened before, so that doesn't really make sense. But we're emerging from the chaos here. So we moved to Michigan. Um, I was unable to work because the cost of child care compared to what I would be earning just didn't add up. And I will tell you, any ladies in here that have been a stay-at-home mom, that is for the birds. It is the hardest job that I have ever done in my entire life, and I love to work, and I, I like, have had a couple of great corporate jobs. I have a wonderful job now. I am not built to be a stay-at-home mother. I'm a little bit rough around the edges when it comes to that. So that was a, an amazing experience for me, but it was very difficult. At the same time, our relationship only got worse, um, became more and more unhealthy. Um, from that point, it basically came became, it was unhappy, unhealthy, and then got to a point where it became unsafe. Now, I'm going to speak on domestic violence a little bit. He never punched me, slapped me, beat the crap out of me, per se, but there's plenty of times that he pinned me down on the floor, plenty of times that he screamed in my face, plenty of times that I felt scared for my life. And ladies, if anybody's going through that, even if he didn't punch you and slap you, that is still domestic violence. So please stand up for yourself when it comes to that. 
I reached the end of my rope, two things happened. First of all, there was, so when we first moved to Michigan, we lived with his mother for a little bit. And um, a lot of our stuff was still in her basement after we'd moved out. So there was one evening we were over there. It was Sunday night. There was a football game on. And this is February in Michigan. Well, I had to walk up a flight of stairs, icy flight of stairs outside. Inside, go downstairs, pull the boxes out, carry them up, back outside down to the car. Well, the only, he was literally sitting there on the couch. And his mom was waiting on him hand and foot, bringing him food, bringing him drinks. I was raised different. If my mom saw one of my brothers do that, she would have whooped his butt. Are you kidding me? So first of all, it gave me a realization that, you know, he's doing the best that he can. This is how he was raised. This is what people have expected from him. The other thing that happened around that time, because I wasn't working, um, also when I was working at the chiropractor, I had up to this point been the primary provider for our family. So we moved to Michigan. He started taking over finances. That started getting bleak. In Michigan, you can return your tin cans for 10 cents. You know, and there's a couple other states you can do that too. The lowest point for me was I have these three beautiful, precious boys. And at this point, they're one, three, and five years old. I had gone to the, to the grocery store. We didn't have any money. But you know what we did have? 300 empty beer cans. And I'm not talking, here's some Cokes and some Sprites and some Fantas all Coors Light. And not only that, we just happen to have clear trash bags. So I pull up to the grocery store, three beautiful children in one cart, and another cart, clear trash bags full of beer cans. That was really, those two things happening pretty much very close to each other is what was like, I need to get out of that. And so this is, along with sharing my story, I want to give you guys some tools. And the very first thing is to recognize the chaos. And sometimes you got to get to the lowest of the low. When I'm broken, I relish it. I'm going to use it because if I'm broken, then I have found my limitations. And until I know what my limitations are, how can I push them and how can I get better? So once you've recognized the chaos, then you have to decide you want to get out of the chaos. My situation was pretty difficult. I knew that I was not going to tolerate this anymore. I went and talked to a few different lawyers. The thing is, is that we had lived there just long enough to where my kids were considered residents of Michigan. So if I filed for divorce in the state of Michigan, there's a good chance that I would have to live there till my youngest was 18, which is 17 years after this is happening. He's nine now. So I met with lawyers and I had to come up with a plan. And this was very difficult for me. I do not like to lie, especially to those that I love. I had to lie to him, and I told him that we could work out this marriage if he were to, number one, get his 30-day chip, and number two, we would move back to Colorado. Here's the God's honest truth, you guys. I knew he would never get his 30-day chip. That was my way out. But it got me safely back to Colorado. So I moved back here. I did have to um, stay in Michigan for a couple of months. Another big thing that happened at that time, literally the night, so I'm 26 at this point, the night that I went out to dinner, we were at Applebee's. Remember the Avalanche were playing the Red Wings? I'm a big, big hockey fan. Um, so we were at Applebee's, and I had had this conversation with him, like, you need to go stay with your mom for a while. If we want to work this out, we need to do A, B, and C. That same moment, basically, one of my very, very best childhood friends died. He literally took his last breaths while I'm having this conversation with my would-be-now ex-husband. So not only 
am I on the verge of divorce? I'm experiencing grief like I never have before. I had lost grandparents, and if anybody knows, it's different to lose someone that's lived a full life. It's hard to lose someone that has always been a year older than me, and now I look back, he will forever be 27. I'm seven years older than him. So going through a lot of grief, and it made me realize that divorce is also grief. Heartache is also grief. So once I had gotten back to Colorado, I worked my little tail off. I was working about six jobs, six side jobs, six hustles while I was trying to find something. I was at at one point, my car was repossessed. Uh, My house almost went into foreclosure. This is where the second tool came into place. And that is personal growth and development. You can be the victim of your life or the master of it. That's your choice. You can be the victim or you can be the victor you have the power to write your story. And keeping my mind in personal growth and development, listening to people like Zig Ziglar and um, Jim Rohn is probably my favorite one. Tony Robbins, probably the most well-known. Speaking life into yourself and listening to those positive things is something that really, really helped me. It also had me ask some really hard questions. Clearly, I was not happy with the life that I had. So I had to sit back and say, what kind of life do I want? And then how do I build that? So I began rebuilding. And in the process of rebuilding, one of the most powerful things that I found was healing. Now that takes a balance of strength, determination, and compassion. Not only for others, but for yourself. And I will caution you, healing is messy. You're going to get to know the monsters under your bed. Or as we reference back to our Star Wars reference, we're going to get to know who's really underneath that helmet. Who's our real enemy? Is it the person we're battling with, or could it potentially be ourselves? In the healing journey, there's one thing that stuck out to me more than anything, and this is my third tool for you tonight, and that is forgiveness. You get to decide if you want to let go of that anger and hurt. When you're forgiving others, this is like... Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader. If you hold on to that grudge, it's like drinking poison expecting the other person to die. We don't forgive others because we feel they deserve it. Frankly, we're not the one to to decide who deserves what. We forgive others so that we can have that peace within ourselves. The hardest apology that you will ever have to accept is the one that you will never receive. Now... We all know forgiving others is important in our healing, right? How many times do we consider forgiving ourselves? I can tell you in my personal experience, forgiving myself has been more difficult, but more rewarding than having to forgive anybody else. So if you think forgiving others is hard, then just consider forgiving yourself. But if you don't do this, if you don't forgive yourself, that's what you're going to be bringing into the cave with you. That's what you're going to be battling. And ultimately, you will defeat yourself. I had to take a step back. And granted, yes, he was an alcoholic. He was bad with money. He treated me poorly. But you know what? I cared too much about what other people thought. I had to forgive myself for that naive thinking. I stayed and I allowed the treatment to continue. I had to forgive myself for allowing my boundaries to continually be violated. 
I had to forgive myself for becoming an enabler. If there's anybody that's ever been in a relationship, whether romantic or family, if you've been dealing with an addict, it's hard not to become an enabler. And sometimes you don't see that you're actually doing that. But I had to forgive myself. This is the hardest one. Maybe there's some other single parents in this room, and I hope that this brings you some peace. I had to forgive myself for not choosing a better father for my children. But my children would not be who they are if their father is not who he is. Forgiving yourself is the highest form of self-love. And if you want to get out of the chaos, you have to know that you are loved and you have to love yourself above all and forgive yourself above all. You need to have compassion, grace, and forgiveness for yourself. It's so much easier at times to give this to other people And often we forget that we need to give the same amount to ourselves. Lastly, the last tool I want to give you is the tool of gratitude. Regardless of how your story ends up, regardless of what the chaos looks like, there are lessons that can be learned. I might have never known my own strength. I may have never asked myself about my own my own purpose and passion and have such intention for life that I do today had I not gone through what I did. Back to grief. Everyone experiences grief. Grief and heartache together or separate, they stem from love. So if you're grieving something, if you have a broken heart over something, be grateful for the love that you experienced while going through that. Two lessons that I've learned. The brokenhearted are the bravest among us. They dare to love. Heartbreak is unavoidable unless we choose not to love at all. And lastly, love is never wasted. No matter what happens in the end, whether it's a divorce, whether you get along, whether it's losing a job, whatever it is, if you come from a place of love and intention and goodness, that is never wasted, no matter how much it hurts. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. All right, let's see if we have another anonymous memoir, some secrets. Some secrets. But yeah. All my secrets are out there now. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's see here. Do we have more than one? All right. So for the ones we don't read, just keep an eye on our gram. It comes out. I would like to do public speaking, but I'm scared to death. All right. I like it. Talk to Lisa because she loves public speaking. Maybe you can get over that. All right. So we're going to take another 10-minute break, and we will be back with our last storyteller of the evening, Kim Randall. See you in about 10. All right. Everybody seems so excited about meeting new people and listening to stories. So amazing. So much energy in this room. But it is time for our last story, so if we can... Bring it back together. Let's get back into the story mental zone. All right, Kim Randall, where are you? All right, she's in the corner. 
All right, everybody. So it's time for our last storyteller of the evening. So let's put our hands together for Kim Randall and her story, Chaos to Purpose. All right, get out here. <laughs> All right, let's put it together for Kim. Well, it's a good thing I can't see you. <laughs> Welcome. All right, so chaos is uh, defined as disorder, confusion, and I'm sure all of us in our lives can uh, relate to some form of chaos throughout our lives from the time we're born until today. So I want to take you on a journey, a journey through the chaos, little stories throughout my life that have brought me to recognize my purpose. And I believe that each and every one of us have a purpose in life and that the experiences and the choices that we make in life are for a reason. So I just want to start. I was born in uh, Juneau, Alaska in 1978. And just like any typical <laughs> child, um, you think everything's perfect. You know, you think your parents are perfect. You think your friends are perfect, your environment, whatever you're growing up in, you don't know any different. And so uh, in 1986, my family moved to Washington State and kind of continued on this pattern of just running around, being out till the lights go off, you know, mom yells, come home, whatever, you know, um, come in for dinner. Fast forward a few years, the age of 10 in fifth grade, coming home from an awesome day at school, super excited, you know, running in the house, just want to tell mom all about it. And come in, she's laying on the couch, kind of her back turned, holding on to a bear, tap on her shoulder and say, hey, mom. She looks at me, eyes full of tears, and says, who are you? That started with me like an identity crisis. Really didn't have a mother figure. She didn't know who I was. She was going through her own mental illness, had four younger siblings, I became the caregiver, the chaos that just ensued, I didn't know any better, you know, just kept pushing forward, kept going, running through town, began to build my own identity in sports, became a runner, decided I was going to pursue the Olympics, going after that dream, fast forward a few more years, on the track, gun goes off, start running around, and all of a sudden, pop. And you come crashing to the ground and realize the dream of being in the Olympics is gone. Identity, gone. Chaos, yet again. So a few years go on, and you're just living in a chaotic household. Dad was a drug addict. Mom didn't know who I was. Brothers and sisters were running around found myself in the arms of a man. Decided, you know, at the ripe old age of 17, going to get married. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, you're just running, running away, trying to escape. A few years go by, find myself pregnant at the age of 21. First child, just lost her house, filed bankruptcy, no money to speak of, living in a leaky trailer on my parents' property. Walking up and down, 
the street collecting those aluminum cans just to be able to put food on the table because my dad wasn't going to help pay. My daughter was born. She comes out. Head is huge. You get eight pounds, six ounces, two pounds of it was her head. <laughs> but, you know, like most parents, you're going to hold your child, right? You're going to get your child, and they're going to put it on your chest and let you see your kid. Not us. Immediately, my daughter was put in an incubator. Within a minute of life, she was having seizures. They rushed her away. They didn't think she was going to live. And there we were, brand new parents, but we couldn't hold our baby girl. That spent me on another tailspin of identity, trying to find out who am I. Joined the military for the healthcare reasons, to be able to support my family. The whirlwind of knowledge that you need to know, and decided I'm gonna become a nurse. So I started pursuing nursing and just surviving, learning about everything that my daughter needed care for, learning how to care for her. Two little boys come along in the, in the wake of everything and the chaos, and my attention is diverted to her. You know, I don't have time for these two little boys and that are so precious and trying to understand their needs. Well, my daughter's over here. She can't walk. She can't talk. She can't eat. And so teaching my boys how to fend for themselves, and now their lives are chaotic, and just passing that chaos on down the generations. Life goes on. I'm in survival mode. Been that way most of my life. Having to just fight and survive and figure out who I am. It's all up to me. Not really feeling that there's anybody there to really support. In 2010, my daughter passes away. Up until this point, I then it's been, I'm a mom. I'm a soldier, you know, and she's gone. What now? You know? And so back into survival mode of trying to remake this life that you grieve. You know, like when she was born, you're you're grieving the loss of a normal childhood. And now you're grieving the loss of an actual child. And the the wake that, that takes on family members, my boys. Continue on. In 2013, my um, boy's father and I divorced, moved on. I didn't know who I was. I just wanted a friend. I just, you know, just like before, and found my arms in another man. Remarried super fast, within six months. And just the chaos and the running and continuing to go, trying to figure out a way to get back to the Olympics somehow, some way, right? Like, it doesn't matter that. I tore a femoral tendon. doesn't matter that I can't really run. I'm going to get there somehow. And so I threw myself into sports again and running and running and running. One morning, I'm in Texas on active duty military, running on a treadmill, and all of a sudden, there's this pain in my back. I'm like, ah, it's no big deal. I've felt pain before. Who cares? Wake up the next morning, I can't walk. Chaos. Two years 
I couldn't walk. I was trying to figure out, brand, newly married, husband now has to get me up, get me dressed, walk me down the stairs, put me in the car, take me to work. I'm not able to put on my own shoes. And so begins another journey of what am I supposed to do now? Went to school and became a nurse, and I wanted so badly to become a doctor become a developmental pediatrician and start a clinic where I could start to give back to kids with special needs. And I just felt like everywhere I turned, there was a roadblock. Like, how am I going to make this dream come happen? This is my purpose, right? So the two years go by, and I finally decided that I'm going to have surgery for my back. I medically retired from the military and lost about a fifth of, or four-fifths of my income. And I'm back into survival mode again, running. How can I provide for my family? I've got two little boys. They're both elite athletes, just like their mom. <laughs> and how am I going to afford to continue to allow them to pursue their dreams? And so I ran from job to job. I did Uber Eats. I did Lyft. I did uh, mystery shopping, paper routes, anything you could think of did that to make money. It didn't matter that I was in a back brace recovering from back surgery. My kids had to eat. And then it hits again. I'm driving down the road in the middle of the night doing a paper route, and it looks like stars are falling in front of my eyes. And all of a sudden I wake up and I'm like, where am I? I'm on the road in, a, in the middle of the country. I have no idea where I'm at. How did I get here? And then realize, I'm actually doing a paper route. <laughs> like, what happened? And so uh, come to find out that basically what was going on is I was asleep even though I was awake. So my brain waves were completely asleep. And my life came to raging halt. I had to learn how to pick myself up again. Shortly thereafter... My uh, last husband and I separated, and I found myself alone, again with my two kids, and I had to figure out how I got here. What choices did I make in life that got me to where I'm at? Stop blaming the first husband, whether it be PTSD, it be a trauma response, or drug use, Stop blaming my parents. My mom couldn't do any better than what she was given with her mental illness. My daughter was gone, and she, her life had to serve a purpose, right? There had to have been a reason why she was here. And so I began to really evaluate all these different pieces of my life and realized growing up I was being groomed to be a caregiver, to learn how to be compassionate, and empathize with other people, to understand mental illness. My oldest son has Asperger's, and so being a, I would never have had the skills to even attempt to handle the behaviors and different things that nuances that came with his behaviors if I didn't experience mental illness as a kid and learning that piece of my journey. 
the piece of pursuing something and being dedicated for like the Olympics, it just taught me resilience and how to push forward no matter what is going on, no matter injuries, roadblocks, anything, you can achieve your goals and there is a reason why you go through each and every experience you experience. I had to figure out that I was actually running at 17, that I did not realize that, that I was running from the chaos. And because I didn't have a sense of identity, I found myself married to somebody at a really young age. And, you know, like, like, like Lindsay said, your kids won't be who they are unless they have the father that they have. And being able to work through that. I learned that sometimes you have to listen to that higher power. So whatever your beliefs are. And I feel like that was God's way of getting hit my attention by allowing me to land flat on my back and saying, hey, I'm here, listen to me. And I found that my purpose in life was to learn unconditional love through my daughter so that I could give it away to other families with special needs children. And so I have started a organization called Kenna Nursing Services um, where I provide customized home healthcare solutions for families with special needs children, regardless of their ability to pay. And so through my chaos and through my journey, I feel like I found my purpose. And I would encourage you to look at your life and your journey to see if you can emerge from the chaos and find your journey. Thank you. We have some amazing people in Colorado Springs. What do you think? Wow. So we still have anonymous memoirs. <laughs> Look at that hair. Ooh. Ah. I experienced deep loss, a friend, financial distress, and didn't know how to pick up the pieces. Day by day, piece by piece, I started to feel whole again. Yeah, so yeah, that was my immediate thought. What amazing people we have in this community with such deep stories and... Yeah, you're doing great things, Kim Randall. So keep doing what you're doing. All right. So with that, yeah, I don't know my force. Sometimes it's the force coming from the cave. <laughs> so next month's theme. Who's interested in knowing what next month's theme is? All right. So we've all had seasons of setback, disappointments, or hindrances. One can find themselves dismayed during these moments. But let's remember these things. There has never been a wind that did not change direction. Clouds do not hang forever, and April showers bring May flowers. So with that, May's theme is from boom 
to bloom. All right, so everybody, get your calendars out because next memoirs is not going to be on the last Monday of every month. What do you want me to say? Special. We have a special memoirs. Yes, so it won't be on the last Monday. It will be on May 23rd, and it will also not be here at 3E's. It will be two blocks that way at Kinship Landing. So put that in your calendars, and we will be screaming it on all of our social media. So please follow us at Memoirs COS on the Gram and the Facebook. And for all the meetup people, we finally made a meetup group. How many of you are here for meetup? Not that I can really see you, but. <laughs> but thanks for coming. If you are here for Meetup, we appreciate you being here and welcome you to the memoirs, as I like to call it, family, because we are friends that are like family. Um, what else? If you'd like to get up here and tell a story, please come talk to me or Maritza, and we will get you on this stage. And aside from that, I like to say this almost every time. I've missed it like the past few times, but time and attention is the greatest gift we can give to each other. So thank you very much, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your evening.